I mean, if you would change colors right now, yeah. would you be a black man in America? Would I be a black woman in America? Would you, would you be a black woman in America? Would right. you take that on right now? Right. And if your answer is no, then something's there. Right. right. Something's there that you know exists. Right. Right? That you don't want. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. Hi, this is Dan Putt, a partner here at Reboot. What privileges do you hold? I've spent most of my life unaware of my own privilege. Born to middle-class parents, white, male, American, and always given the space and the resources to educate myself. Now, these are things that all serve and have served me tremendously. And yet, I'm really unaware of them day in and day out. Warren Buffett has often said that he won the ovarian lottery. Perhaps that is true for me as well. Now, I know that I've worked hard, and I know that in some ways I have earned where I am and what I have. So when my privilege was reflected back to me and called out in a practice coaching session last fall, I felt terror, and shame, shock, and then connection. So as part of my coaching training, we were regularly paired up with other classmates to do some coaching practice. And for this particular class, we were discussing the concept of privilege and how it can impact us as coaches, but also impact our clients. In effect, we both can be there without being aware how our privilege is showing up. It's just the sea we are swimming in, as our guest says today. So when I was paired with a mid-40s, African-American, lesbian woman from a very different location and a very different background, I was terrified. And I'll never forget the laugh she let out as we started our session. Oh, man, I am sorry, but I think it's so funny that I am with you, a white man. I have a lot of pain and anger, and I'm fresh off of a new painful experience. So my rage is fresh. There was silence. and I felt immediate terror and shame. I had become painfully aware of my privilege. I had been plucked from my sea. But I also felt a true and deep wish to connect. I don't know where it came from, but what I said to her was, yes, I am a white man, and I could never pretend to understand the challenges you have faced and the deep pain and rage you hold. But I am here, I am listening, and I wish to support and understand. She took a breath. She said, okay, thank you. And in that moment, we both noticed the sea we were swimming in. We both noticed how different and alike we were. We both noticed a connection at the human level. I don't share this story to convince you how great I am. I tell you this because this is an incredibly hard and challenging issue and one that we can be painfully oblivious to. And yet the opportunity is there to find a deeper connection we all can share, a deeper connection we are all capable of as human beings. So it's a true honor to welcome entrepreneur, creator, and educator, Conda Mason, to the podcast. Conda and Jerry recorded this conversation last week, and we thought it was really important to get this discussion out there sooner rather than later, particularly given the events in Orlando. There is real suffering out there, suffering that is causing violence. And Conda and Jerry address some of the source causes of that suffering, this pain, and what opportunities might lie in remembering we are all in this together. This conversation will challenge you on your own privilege and inspire you to find new ways of connecting with people from all backgrounds. Apply now for our CEO Bootcamp this fall, October 5th through the 9th, 2016. Join us and 14 other peers for the retreat that may change your work and life for the better. Apply now at reboot.io bootcamp. The fundamental delusion of humanity is to suppose that I am here and you are out there. Yasutani Roshi. Hey, Kande, it's really great to see you again. Thank you so much for coming on the uh, podcast with us. 
Oh, I'm so happy to be here. This is wonderful. Before we jump in, would you take a moment and just sort of identify yourself and tell us a little bit about you? I mean, I know a bit of your background, but I always like to have the the guests really sort of identify themselves. Um, so my name is Conda Mason, and I am, well, I have a couple of roles that people know me through. Um, one is I am a co-founder and the CEO of Impact Hub Oakland, which is a co-working community of amazing change makers um, here in Oakland, California. Hmm. And we're a co-working space, co-working community, and an event space venue for really great things that are happening on the planet. So I co-founded and, um, and I run this place with my partners. Um, additionally, I think another, another identity that I have is one of, um, I am a Dharma teacher and yoga teacher, and I work at, um, I'm often at uh, Spirit Rock, which I'm on the board of Spirit Rock in um, Woodacre, California. Mm-hmm. And so that's another identity that I that I have. Prior to all of that, um, I'm from L.A. and was a filmmaker, like most people in L.A. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you know did a lot of film things and all kinds of stuff that you know um, can be looked up if you want a little resume there. Um, and I'm a storyteller. I love that. You know. So I also worked in theater. In New York, I was a production stage manager. I was in the music industry. I did a whole entertainment thing for a very long time, as well as my spiritual dharma path, um, and and also an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, mm-hmm. and so um, that's pretty much me, kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, and and I, I'll reveal we first met by serving together on the board of trustees at a place called Kripalo. In the Berkshires right. uh, many years ago, and yeah. um, I feel incredibly lucky and fortunate um, uh, to have reconnected with you through our mutual friend Matt Stinchcomb. Uh, That's right. And uh, it's—I uh, remember when we first reconnected via Skype. It was like I'm just going to say it was like two little kids being giddy. <laughs> it's like, I wish I, I wish Skype had that feature where you could reach out and just hug, you know? That would have been so appropriate. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, it's right. so wonderful to connect back with you, Jer. I mean, I'm just thrilled, really. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm not going to let you go again. You got it. And same okay. here, same here. And, you know, and, and you know, the, the, the truth is, Conda, I, you know, I, I think I may have mentioned this, but part of the reason that connection, that reconnection happened was because... Um, one of the things that's happening at Reboot, understandably so, because there's suffering in it, and, 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 and you know, we kind of dive into that suffering pool, if you will. We've been approached by a number of people about the question of inclusivity. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I was talking to Matt really about trying to reach out for people who could help. Um, with this question. And he said, well, I have this friend, Conda. It's like, Conda? <laughs> and so, and so here, she is. here she is. And so in reconnecting, one of the things that I was really hoping to, to have a conversation about, and, you know, is a lot of people who listen to the podcast know most of the podcast conversations are me working with an entrepreneur over some particular issue that they're working with. And we joke, it's, you know, it's kind of laughter, it's a lot of tears, and, but, it, but it's really about sort of reconnecting deeply. Mm-hmm. And then, in addition, there are these other episodes where, you know, for example, uh, Sharon Salzberg and I uh, mm. have had a number of conversations about really just, quote unquote, mindfulness in the workplace. And I use that term loosely because, like so many other practices, spiritual practices, there's a kind of looseness around the, the terminology that, mm-hmm. that shows up. Mm-hmm. And I hope you're comfortable with me saying this, but I sort of see you more as a teacher in this role, mm-hmm. um, acknowledging and, and deeply honoring your role as an entrepreneur and really your role at Impact Hub as kind of a, a facilitator of the entrepreneurship, in addition to your own entrepreneurship with Impact Hub. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I think you holding multiple seats, mm-hmm. you know, that's the conda I know. Yeah. Um, 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. It totally does. I mean, the, the best part of this job is um, that part when I'm connecting with the entrepreneurs and we're just going deep yeah. with what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I've got more questions. Usually the, the guest has questions for me, so I've got some questions oh. for you okay. Okay. Um, in, in, in that regard. And then um, this just popped into my head um, before we go forward. And I don't even know if we'll keep this in, if we'll edit this out. But I just want to pause and note that it's June 13th. And, um, yeah, yeah, yesterday, yesterday, yeah, you know, we're both fortunate that they're only recording the audio on this because I'm about to cry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, leaving aside the operational nonsense associated with the whole question of diversity, where you say, count the number of people who identify in one way or another and leave aside what feels like just a painful nonsense about bathrooms in the United <laughs> States right now. Thank you for that, the nonsense part. It's just nonsense. It's total nonsense. Okay. Leave yeah. aside all of that for a moment. There's a suffering that exists in the world. And it's manifesting in a kind of hate. Mm -hmm. And um, this question of inclusivity, which is one of those words that kind of has lost a sense of meaning for me. Yeah. Um, but I struggle with what words work. Because mm -hmm. the question of inclusivity, if we don't get this right, yeah. more people are going to die. That's right. Either by their own hands or by the hands of others. And, you know, transgendered people are far more likely to be victims of violence. Um, people who identify as something other than some internalized sense of norm, whatever the hell that means, are more likely to... Uh, experience a sense of isolation and suffering. And with our predilection for violence in our society already, you know, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I, but I say all this because it feels like the conversation that we all need to have, especially those of us in an industry that's purporting to try to change the world, it needs to be something broader than just, are you being sensitive to words? Am I, am I making sense? Oh, it's so much bigger than that. I mean, we, in this country, we have a tendency to band-aid problems. Right. We don't go into the source very often, um, typically. We band-aid problems. And then we can move on. And this question that you're bringing up, this subject that you're bringing up is, in my opinion, the biggest problem in the 21st century, in the 20th century. It's the biggest problem is what I call, and um, I have to quote my friend John Powell from um, UC Berkeley, othering and belonging. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about othering and belonging. And it's the biggest, I think, issue that we face. Um, it is connected to everything. And, you know, there are so many people who are on, you know, okay, so to fix the world, we need, you know, if we don't have a planet, you know, it's climate change. And if we don't have a planet, we can't be here to even other. Um, so that's the most important issue of the day. Um, and then there's the social justice people. And it's like, it's, it, it never fails to amaze me how the camps see themselves as separate. Because mm. there, there is not an environmental issue that doesn't have a social justice and, a, and implication and impact. 
And they are so intertwined. And all of that has to do with the mindset that has othered, whether it is um, based on race, class, gender, preferences, who's on top, who's on bottom. I got mine. It's maximizing me. It's the idea that in our society, we, which goes back to capitalism and how it all started. And it's the maximization of me as opposed to the maximization of we. Right. And that whole me mentality um, has all kinds of, it, it manifests in all kinds of ways. And when me is up against um, difference, mm. um, it comes, it, it looks like othering. That's mm. how it shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge, huge problem. So when I think about um, these diversity issues that people want to um, kind of wrap their heads around in organizations and businesses, um, and they're looking at quotas and they're looking at words or they're looking at bathrooms. Um, it's the band-aid. And there's so much to it that is not being looked at that most people are not looking at or not even aware of not even aware of because it's like, it's like, check it off. It's an issue. Oh, we need more people of color. Oh, we need more women. Oh, we need more. Check it off. How many do we have? Okay, get them. Now we're done with that. Right, right. Do we have equal pay? Do we have equal access? Do we have equal bathrooms? Do we have, right, right, the whole bathroom issue? And, and, And have we actually instituted training? Yeah. Now, I, 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 I think you'll agree, those things are important. Yeah, they're all important. They're, they're all important, but they're they don't. But they don't really rate. They don't really get to this sense of belonging yeah. that, that no. John Powell speaks to, or no. the, or the otherness, the or the othering, right. um, which which, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I, I was um, at a um, all hands meeting. It, there was a question from the audience that came up, which was, we were talking about tribes and the mm-hmm. sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And and the, the 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 person who asked the question it was a very powerful and poignant question, but I think it speaks in in an inadvertent way to the issue you're talking about. The person asked, "Well, what do I do to inculcate empathy and compassion when I encounter someone who's not of my tribe? Mm-hmm. What do I do when I encounter someone who's not in my tribe when I want to be empathetic?" And I'll tell you what I ended up saying to him, but but first, I noticed that question. Yeah, it's an interesting question that that, I mean, that question alone just makes me cry. Right, right. Say <laughs> more. Why, why does it make you sad? Well, it makes me sad to think that that only in my tribe, that I have been... Uh, the culture I have the culture that only in my tribe that's who I care about. Right, right. That's exactly. And that you got to teach me what to do outside of my whatever my tribe is. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the part of the heartbreak of, of the question for me was also the the poignant wish that was behind it because there was a wish for yeah. that connection, and so thankfully, thankfully, in my mind, His Holiness Dalai Lama came in, oh. and I said, I mean. I have always said on this show, I stand on the shoulders of giants, uh-huh. right? I know nothing but what uh-huh. I've been taught, right? Uh-huh. And what I have been taught is that there is no tribe to which I don't belong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. I, and so what I said to him was, how about being a member of the tribe of people who feel like they don't belong? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Right? That's how about being a member of the tribe of human beings born to parents Mm. because whether or not you know your biological parents or whether or not you were raised by parents Mm -hmm. you were still born Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. meat bag Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there is there is there is a root connectedness Mm -hmm. that is actually built into our biological being 
It is. It is. We were built to have empathy for each other. We were built that way. The notion that we were built to, um, you know, the whole Darwinism and all of the social Darwinism, that we were absolutely built. Here's the deal, Jerry. I've been working with, um, with um, the Greater Good Science Center and, and, and Dr. Kelton at UC Berkeley and the work of well-being. They did some research around well-being, right? And it was like they did research for four years. I think it was about four years of research around looking at people no matter where they live, wherever their geography, their place was, whatever their socioeconomic status was, that they came up with there's four things that make people well, okay? Those four things that make people well are one, when one connects with oneself and, and one's purpose on the planet, right? What is my purpose? Who am I? And, and when you have that deep connection with self, it's like, wow, okay? The second one was connection to someone else, connection to others. When we are, you know, babies touched, right? When we touch each other, when we touch each other, others physically or emotionally or mentally, that we are connected as people mm-hmm. on this planet mm-hmm. when we connect with each other. Third is when we have experienced compassion and generosity, when we have exhibited that to others, all right? And the fourth is when we have connected to something bigger than ourselves, the sense of awe, whether it's a tree or this flower. Right now, this new flowers are outside of my house that's making me like I'm loving, right? Whatever that awe is, but that sense of awe, something greater than yourself. So with those four things, when you look at those four things, that is really when we feel and experience basically interdependence. Mm. When we experience interdependence, that makes us well. That's who we really are. That's who we really are. Right? We are so deeply interdependent to this planet, to each other, to all species, to all that is happening. This is why you can cry. And I, get, I just had a staff meeting, my staff. We check in. The entire check-in is what happened in Florida. And we did silence here. There were tears. We don't know these people. But, but we, we do. Know them, but we know them. Exactly. That's what I was going to I feel like and I do know our them. Hearts. Exactly. We all know them. And so that's who humans are. There has been so much to separate us from each other and to feel that separation and to believe in it. And, and my prayers have been for the shooter. It's mm. like, who can you be that you have bought into this fallacy story and narrative that we are separate and that you are not connected to those people that were on the other side of that pistol. What happens that you really believe that? That you're not connected. That's the story that we bought into. And that's where the othering is. And that's where the them and us and me and you over there it's a deep question. And we, I find myself in these conversations just on the very, very top, 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 top of the iceberg, you know, the Band-Aid. Ah, it's so, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard um, because people want something quick where that, you know, that's our culture. Give it to me quick and let me fix it and let me get on to the next thing. It is the biggest issue, in my opinion. We will not solve our in my opinion, I mean, I look at a lot of NGOs who are doing great work on the planet. Everybody's doing such great work. I'm here in Oakland where there's more NGOs per capita than any <laughs> else in the country, right? Beautiful people doing great work. And in my opinion, when folks, in addition to whatever that is they do, whatever they're focusing on, in addition, if the othering, belonging, social justice element is not a part of it, then it still is insufficient because we, in my opinion, we have to do that work to really, quote unquote, save whatever it is we're trying to save or to do the work that is going to really transform how we're living on this planet. We have to all get on the same bus. We got to get on the social bus and how we treat each other and how we do 
and who we are to each other, the othering, the belonging. And we can then, we can, and simultaneously, it's it's not one sequential, but certainly that has to happen at the same time. And it's so much easier, quite frankly, for us not to do that work because it's so filled with shame and guilt and conversations that we don't have with each other. We don't have these conversations, you know? I would argue we don't even have this conversation with ourselves. We don't. You're right. We're right. You're right. And, and to, you know, so much easier to avoid it because there's this, because I have to say, I think that there's just this, um, this dissension within ourselves about it because deeply inside, like I said, we're wired to care for each other. Right. We are wired to care. We're wired to care and we're kind of socialized to see ourselves as disconnected. Yeah. To not be interdependent, and and That's right. you know, I'll t- I'll take a programming note. You know, as uh, we're, we're 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 the two of us are both trained in one form or another. We have Buddhist teachers, so interdependence is is a concept that we that we have known. But for the wider audience, it's it. I mean, you tell me how how this definition lands because I I think your definition going back to the four attributes of wellness is really powerful, but but this notion that I do not exist in this mm-hmm. bubble, right. that that the belief of the bubbleness of the aloneness of my own self with a capital S is in fact the root of not only my own existential suffering, yeah. but the root of the violence that exists in the in our communities and in the way we we respond to each other um that's the way i hold that definition and and you know i was thinking as i was hearing you why is it why is it such a difficult conversation for us to have with each other or with with ourselves or in our organizations you know, the intent seems to be positive, right? You know, someone reaches out to Jerry. Jerry, do you know of a good diversity training consultant? And, like, I want to scream. It's like, okay, great. That's great. And, like you, I want to get to the root of the issue, which is what is the fierce conversation that we're not having? Yeah. Yeah. You know, can we go there? Well, you know, like I said, it's... it's it is filled with shame, guilt, unearned. I mean, okay, I'm just going to get real with you right now, okay? Please. <laughs> so, so I have to say that particularly the race issue in America yeah. is filled with unearned privilege. Yes. Okay? Unearned privilege. Even though... I'm talking about for white people, unearned privilege that I can look at and say, well, I earned this. I went to school. My, I did this. I got my PhD. I did this and that. And when you go back and you go back and you go back and you look at, okay, if you look at the history of America and you look at the land issues and that wealth is based on land and how land was distributed and not distributed and who didn't get it and who did get it and when did they get it? And you look at what base, you know, I mean, I always say, I always use, you know, the metaphor of, of baseball that, you know, you were born on third base. Yes. And, and you're running to home plate right on. You did a great job. You got your education. You did all that stuff. And then there are people who are born behind the backstop who didn't even get, not even to first base. Okay. And so I say that this feeling, I believe, this feeling of unearned privilege mm-hmm. when, especially when it's confronted with the angry folks of color, whether black or brown or native, the angry folks of color is scary. And it's like, it comes up against an unearned privilege, like, Ooh, glad I'm not you. Because like Van Jones said, I mean, if you would change colors right now, yeah. would you be a black man in America? Would I be a black woman in America? Would you, would you be a black woman in America? Would right. you take that on right now? Right. And if your answer is no, then something's there. Right. Right. Something's there that you know exists. Right. Right? 
that you don't want? To, to your question, my answer is no. And you help me get in touch with the shame that I feel answering the word no. Right? I, I remember we had this actually, we, we had a conversation. It was students protesting at Naropa, where I serve on the Board of Trustees, that helped me um, uh, see this. To your analogy about being born on third base, you know, the truth is I was born in poverty. There's no question about that. The truth is I was born uh, basically uh, a member of a white family in an all-black neighborhood in Brooklyn. I was still born on third base. You're still born on third base. Thank you. And the second. No, 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 no. It was third. It was third because I was born and and I had two parents who were still there. I mean, there were all sorts of things that conspired to help me. But but here's the thing that was that's really hard. And it took me a long time to really recognize Mm -hmm. that even asking the question of what base I was born on Mm -hmm. is actually an expression of my privilege. (laughs) Because I have the vantage point of being able to look over my shoulder, look back over my back and say, hmm, glad I wasn't born there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Glad I'm, I wasn't born there. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing that happens, what you just said, Jerry. I'm so glad you said it because everybody wasn't born with wealth in this country. A lot of white people are very poor. I, hey, you know, and a, I lot, get a, that. a lot and of I people's parents were in the Holocaust and that's a lot right. of people's parents suffered because of their race. That's right. Because of their race. Exactly. And I look at that and all of that is absolutely true and has its impact. So I'm not, I really don't want anybody to think that I'm, that I take that away. It all has impact. There is this thing in America, additionally, that's called white privilege, white skin privilege. Yes. Male privilege. Okay, gender privilege. There is all of that that is very real. And so no matter what your economic background, your socioeconomic background was, when you walk into the same room that I walk into as an African-American woman, and who is more likely to be seen as serious in getting that job or whatever it is, it's not going to be me, typically. It's going to be you. And that white skin privilege and that male privilege puts you in front of the line, even if you had nothing coming in. Even if, and this is, I think, crucially important for people to understand, even if you don't realize you've experienced it. That's right. That's right. right. Because if you ask, like, let, let's, let's talk about the Valley for a moment in tech companies, which you work with a lot of. Most of those tech companies are founded by... Um, uh, people who have experienced privilege in some form or another, um, even if they're founded by someone who's an immigrant, say from Asia. Asia, yeah. Okay, there's a kind of privilege that occurs to them, and that and and there's a kind of blindness that uh, that all of us are subject to. Yeah. And that blindness, I don't know when I'm getting a free pass. I don't know when someone. When I walk into a room and someone thinks well of me because of my skin color, mm-hmm. because I haven't experienced not being thought well of because of my skin color. And they, that other person, doesn't even realize that they're thinking well of you because of your skin color. Right. Because it's just, it's just the sea that you swim in. It's just the sea that, right? Right. And it's like, it's so interesting. A very good friend of mine, um, who I just adore, um, did this little question with a group of us and said, name all the places that you are privileged. Mm-hmm. And, you know, privilege is fluid because I have a lot of privilege, right? I'm American. I'm from California. I could, you know, I've got a lot of stuff. People wrote down things. And something that it was very interesting that nobody wrote down was abled body. Yes. Okay. Because it's it's the it's it's, it's the it's, sea it's, that we swim in. It's the sea that we swim in. Right. I am an able-bodied person. I didn't even see that. Right. Right. It's as simple as that, and it's as it's as simple and as complex as that. Right. And that's where it 
gets where, um, so it's hard to talk about unless you're in, um, under conditions that are really safe, you know, where people feel the safety, where people feel, um, like they can really explore these issues. And we as Americans, we are, you know, a lot of us are, are educated and we who are concerned Americans like yourself, um, we'll do things like we hear about climate change. So we will read up about carbon and what is happening. What is, what is this that's going on? Right. So I'll teach myself. I'll learn this body of knowledge. Right. When it comes to race privilege work, we think we know, but it is a whole body of knowledge to learn. There are so many classes, so many books, so much knowledge to understand the history, to understand what's happening here to get underneath so that we can actually have real conversations and doing that work of learning it as if it were a body to uh, a body of knowledge to study goes a long way. I was in, I'm in a cohort mm-hmm. of people of mixed race people, 40% people of color, 60% white. The first, we are going to be together for two and a half years the first cohort meeting, the first retreat, there was racial tension. Mm. And um, by the end, and, and the teachers talked about race. It was in a Buddhist context, but they were talking about race. And some, some young white gentlemen were like not enjoying the conversation, and there was just racial tension built up. One of the things I said at the end of the retreat, I said, folks, once, think about doing the work of learning about race privilege and what it is because you're, it's all, we're all reacting to each other without having a lot of knowledge. So it just so happened that in that cohort, a couple of the white people, they do work with white people on race privilege, with white people only. They stood up and said, we're going to do this, okay? Do you know that between our first, that, that color was in April, the next one was September. Between April and September, they did a class for the white people only. Almost every white person in our cohort joy. okay? It was totally volunteer, clearly. By September's meeting, we were a whole other group. People stood up and said, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Right. I feel so much freer now. Right. And it's a process. It's not over at all by any means. I know I'm going to make mistakes and it's okay. And I am here in the conversation and it has freed my life in so many ways. Right. That is what people said. And we came back a whole nother group. See, I want to, I want to, I want to concretize this a little bit at the risk of creating a bandaid and you call me on it if I am. Okay. But if, you know, we are both, members of this broader community of entrepreneurs. Correct. And there's a conversation that's occurring that uses the word diversity, but but I think is getting to this question of belonging, this question of inclusivity. And you're helping me see that if if there's a company or someone who's listening to this podcast, who's thinking about training, if they step into the training mode, we're going to train our, our executives in diversity. If they are thinking of doing that without stepping into the work that your cohort stepped into, then it's, then what would you say is it, 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 it's important, but it's not enough. I think that I think it's it's critical. I think that there's different levels, right? If there's there's the band-aid level and there's the real level, as far as I'm concerned, the deep level that is systemic. Because what you find out, first of all, is that this whole thing is systemic. It's not necessarily we think of racism and races as this individual um, characteristic. And yes, people can be racist. I'm, absolutely they are, right? But the bigger issue and what we're really talking about is the systemic nature of racism in America and how the entire structure is built, built, created mm-hmm. on that 
notion on that principle. Mm. And that's the kind of learning that one gets when you and you start seeing it. It, 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 it opens your eyes in a whole new way. So my first reaction to your to what you just said is that it's really vital that the people who are asking for this do that kind of work so that they can see something different and they really get what they're really asking for because then they'll start asking for something more than what they're asking for. Yeah. Because there's more than, I, I just want to throw out the word that equity. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Diversity is bringing more people into your space that are women, LGBT, folks of color, whatever it is. Equity has to do with power. Right. It's about power sharing. Okay. Because if we really want to get the work done that we need to do to make this planet tick the way that's going to be whole and well, it's about sharing power. It's about folks, women, folks of color, whatever it is, having equal power and power in organizations. So as opposed to I did my diversity quota, you know, I've got a bunch of people on the floor who are now women and folks of color, whatever it might be. Um, and yet the entire C-suite mm-hmm. is white male. It's about power equity. So I have to throw in the notion of diversity, inclusion, and equity, which we call right now. I'm so proud of, I'm on the board of Spirit Rock, um, and we have this, I really would encourage people to go to the website of Spirit Rock. Um, things blew up mm. around race, okay, just to put it bluntly and quickly. And it has been a place that always has said, you know, we, you know, we, of course, want everybody here. And yet everybody's not there. And so um, we went through an amazing and are still going through an amazing process. And they have put up on their website the DEI, which is the Diversity, Inclusion, and Equity Plan, and really speaking to the public about what they didn't do, claiming it with humility, not shame, just honesty, and what we're doing about it. And we're doing deep work there. This is not a Band-Aid. It's not a Band-Aid. And it's been a process. And they have put resources behind that process in order to right any kind of wrongs that have, been, that have happened on this planet. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. That's the other thing. It's not your fault. Now, it's your responsibility yes. to learn. Yeah. It's not your fault. Yeah. This is a systemic issue that affects every single institution in America. Every institution. And it trickled down, just like I heard um, Rit, Mitt Romney said. Trickle, trickle down, Rit. Mitt said that. Mitt, of all people. Racism, trickle down misogyny. I was like, whoa. So this is, like, let's just get on the, yeah. okay. I don't know if we get on Trump. But what he has done, the good thing that I think he has done is that I have never seen Republicans right. say those kinds of things and really come out against racism the way that they are. And I'm so proud about that right. happening right, right now in our country. Um, But that said, I just say that there's so much to learn that we all, I'm learning every day is, and and don't think you're going to learn it. It's a process. It's just a process. And once you open that door, it's a process for life. It's like you, you, you can't go back. And it's so wonderful and so liberating, so freeing. You know, I, 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 I'm sitting here uh, I, like I'm about to jump out of my skin because that's exactly the feeling I just had. You use the word process. I said, oh, this is just another practice. This is a Dharma practice. It is. And, and then the minute you said it was liberating, I was thinking back. You know, I, I, was, I was near tears when you said it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And then I felt overwhelmed by their responsibility. And then I said, what internalized in me was, as someone of white male privilege, who has an enormous amount of power, not commensurate with my humanness, Mm -hmm. commensurate with my position in the world, Mm -hmm. I felt relief when you said, share that power. 
there was a momentary fear. What's going to happen to me? Right? But then there was relief. Oh. And I'm looking across time and space to my dear friend, Conda, saying, I want to be by her side. I don't want to lead her. And I don't want to follow her. I want to stand right next to her. Right. 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 I want to have that experience of being human with you. Yeah. Jerry, can I tell you when we do that thing that you just said? We think that our particular tribe (laughs) has all the answers that I need in life so I can stay in my tribe. Right. And I'm just going to get the wealth of knowledge from this tribe. Can I tell you that? Boy, oh boy, oh boy, are you missing out? Because when that tribe becomes broader and it becomes the world and it becomes all of us and it becomes multicultural, the kinds of things that you will never think of, Jerry, and you're a very smart man. I agree. But I'm going to tell you something. There are going to be so many things that you would have never thought of. You think, whoa, that's it. (laughs) Right. And those aha moments will come and come as we continue. It's not about the smartest person in the boardroom anymore. It's not about the smartest person in the C-suite anymore. It's about the multicultural nature of it that, so that a di- diversity of views are coming in. I want this not because I want to hit a quota. I want this because I want this, this experience that I don't have. Coming into the, this idea think tank and knowing that it's all valuable stuff and I'm going to be wiser and better for it. Oh, I, I, I'll put a word on it. I'm going to have the experience that I just had a few minutes ago when you introduced and added the word equity. Yeah. And I went, I, literally, my head just went, wow, of course. And fear. Fear. And liberation all yeah. in the same moment. Of course. Of course. Of course. Because behind the fear is the knowledge that I've got the power and we this tribe does have the power mm. and the question of, would you want to be black? Would you want to, would you do that? No, because I know you don't have power. You no. I'd like this. I like this. Well, power. I, I'll go even deeper. I'm already scared as it is. Mm-hmm. Take away my power. Yeah. And exactly. I'm really scared. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm already right. anxious. I <laughs> and I got privilege. You know? <laughs> I mean, who's the more neurotic of the two of us? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> I want you to get rid of some of that neurosis and feel free. And that is what I'm saying. Honestly, what you just said was so honest and funny. But there's a lot of reality to what you just said and what the freedom that comes with. Because we're honing ourselves behind this fence, this invisible fence, that that invisible fence that I'm behind. And it's like, open the gate, man. Open the gate and see what happens. And... It's just, it's amazing. And I have to say that if people only knew how the beauty on the other side, the beauty on the other side, on every level, on every level, Mm -hmm. that we are holding ourselves back from Mm -hmm. through fear and othering. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And but we're crazy people. Human beings are crazy entities, and you know I'd love to see us. Um, I, I really believe in the deepest heart that that is the work. And I'm going to challenge you, Jerry, right here on. And you can edit this out. <laughs> Depends on how brave I am. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I am going to challenge you right now to find yourself a very deep process around race privilege. And start that, and to get in it, and to, and then to um, let me know what happens as you go down this, this road. Uh, I accept the challenge, and I ask for your help. You got it. You got it. Mm. Done. Thank you. Done. Done. This is an extraordinary conversation, and I just want to thank you. I think you know I have the privilege of having a few people listen to me on occasion. 
and um, introducing them to the wonder that is you is oh. really an honor for me. And uh, I am committing myself to this. Um, and, so. you know, I think uh, it's part of my next evolution in my own practice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's some great people doing great work that uh, there's just abundance of it. Great yeah. park in America. So you can, yeah, it's easy, accessible. And maybe, I don't know if you have an online repository uh, where we can put some stuff up. We, we do. We have these things called five-day reboots. And uh, okay. I'll talk to you offline about that. But Brilliant. thank you so much. So that's it for our conversation today. I know a lot was covered in this episode, from links to books to quotes to images. So we went ahead and compiled all that and put it on our site at reboot.io slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find out about that on our site as well. I'm really grateful that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to get all the latest episodes as we release them, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be great if you could leave us a review, letting us know how the show affected you. So thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to future conversations together. How long till my soul gets it right? Can any